welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner who heads up the abuse team at Hugh James, and I'm joined by my colleague, Felina Grovner. Hi, Felina. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm not so bad. Thank you very much. And your good self? Very good. Thank you. And of course, we're still operating most of the time remotely, and this podcast is being recorded with you in one part of London and me in another part of London. Actually, I'm in the office for this. So there we go. So what we're going to be discussing in this podcast is the very, very unsavoury subject of gang rape. So if there's anyone who is going to be potentially troubled by what we're going to be discussing, now's the time to make yourself a cup of tea or something or other and listen to something else because we are going to be talking about a rather difficult and, as I said, unsavoury subject. So why we've chosen to talk about gang rape is because of media reports on an alleged gang rape. I have to say alleged because there's been no criminal prosecution and certainly no criminal trial. So as far as we're concerned, it is a matter of allegations. And these allegations concern what is supposed to have taken place at Oxford Brookes University way back in February 2018. And correct me if I'm wrong, Felina, the allegation is made by a woman, a student, who says that she was the victim of a gang rape committed by four students. So that was her allegation, and I believe there was a police investigation that did not result in a prosecution. And there are various issues in relation to the case that we think are worth exploring and discussing in this podcast. So, Felina, why don't you explain to our listeners a little bit about the background to what is supposed to have happened? Thank you, Alan. Yes. So, as you've said, there's one female, that the alleged victim in this case, who was aged 19 at the time, and four others who were also students, male, all students at Oxford Brookes University. This alleged incident occurred when she'd had a conversation with these four individuals and the topic of group sex had been discussed in a hypothetical and humorous context, is how she describes the incident. She says that she laughed it off um, and no more was, was said on that for a while. A short while later, she was alone with these four individuals again and they, she alleges, told her that she owed them group sex because of her earlier responses. She disagreed. You know, she hadn't taken it seriously at the time, but she felt immense pressure from these four others to participate in sexual activity. And she claims that she initially did take part in some non-penetrative sexual activity but she was clear from the beginning of the conversation you know she was uncomfortable she says that she was pressured into this situation and when it comes to the penetrative sex she says that she was raped 
And she was clear at that time that she, whilst the non-penetrative sexual activity was occurring, she says that she was clear that she didn't want to continue. So as you said, Alan, this was investigated by the police, but unfortunately the police felt that they couldn't refer the matter to the Crown Prosecution Service because of ambiguity over her consent. And this goes back to how some of the sexual activity appears to have been consensual and some of it was not. And of course, this is an issue that comes up time and time again, doesn't it? Particularly with these cases that hit the media. And of course, there are many cases, no doubt, that don't hit hit the media where the female victim is with a male or males, plural, and you've got no independent evidence as to what happened. But in this particular case or this particular set of allegations, I note from the reports that out of the four young men involved, one appears to have held back, so to speak, because it looks as though he did question whether the young woman was in fact consenting. And that, if this report is correct, if this part of the report is correct, then that raises a number of um, issues itself, because as we discussed in previous podcasts, there seems to be still issues around understanding consent. No means no, and yes means yes, and yes doesn't mean no, and no doesn't mean yes, and all that business. You know, in this day and age, everyone ought to understand what consent is, but it still seems to be an issue. And of course, what I found interesting was, if it is correct that this fourth individual held back because he didn't think she was consenting, then I don't understand why a prosecution is not possible. We're just going by the media reports and they may not be accurate. And there's obviously, you know, may well be parts of the of the case that you and I don't know about. From what I've read, Alan, what that really comes down to is the burden of proof. So the report you're referring to is the the misconduct investigation that was conducted by Oxford Brookes University. Now, the university used a burden of proof that was the balance of probabilities. So for those of you listening who don't know what that means or perhaps have never heard it in a legal context, that means on the balance of probabilities, so more than 50%, it's more likely that something happened than didn't happen. Whereas the police, when they were investigating this matter, the burden of proof that they had to use was for the criminal investigation. And that's beyond reasonable doubt. And that, in, in layman's terms, means you must be sure of something. And so that's why Oxford Brook University, their report has actually found, not guilt in the criminal sense, but has found that three of these four individuals, as you mentioned, Alan, the, the fourth did withdraw from the situation, it seems, but the three have all been expelled and they've been found to have committed inappropriateness, yeah, yeah, sexual harassment, violence or abuse. That's what's been published so far um, yeah. on that. And of course, I'll let you give your take on all of this, but it, this case does highlight this sort of sense of, I don't know, is it entitlement? Being able to just do what you like, regardless? I think that it's long-standing that perhaps not just saying males as the blanket, but males, celebrities, individuals that have higher social status or perceived to have power, unfortunately, that is where abusers sit. Athletics as well is an, is an unfortunate one where there does tend to be a lot of abuse there. And in this case, the men were 
athletes at the university. There's been high profile cases in the past where victims have, have felt the court is overly lenient on men who have sports scholarships, have, you know, so-called bright careers in sports and universities take them less seriously because they're on athletic scholarships and they're seen to have high social status. It's not new, unfortunately, and, and it does. It does absolutely highlight it. Yes, and the consequences for the victims can be horrendous. You know, they've gone through the trauma of being sexually assaulted, if not raped. So that has physical and psychological consequences, which, which you know, can be lifelong. And then, of course, you know, they've got this issue of perhaps feeling that they've not been believed. You know, if a prosecution is not possible, you know, we come across victims and survivors who feel that they've been let down again because they're not being believed and they want a court or a tribunal to hear the evidence and make a decision. I know that we did do a previous podcast where we did address this sort of culture in universities and we explained how on some occasions the alleged perpetrator is still attending university and the person who is the alleged victim either still has to be around them or they themselves are invited not to attend university until matters are somehow resolved. In this case, unfortunately, this individual didn't feel believed or didn't feel that matters were being dealt with the way she wanted them to. And she was extremely suicidal and and made attempts to end her life. Yes, it's, you know, the consequences are profound. And of course, for the perpetrators or alleged perpetrators, the fact that there has not been a prosecution does not mean to say that's it, because there may well be other ways of being brought to account, whether it's through a tribunal, misconduct hearings, and of course, it's open in some circumstances for, for the victim or the survivor to actually take civil proceedings against. As I said, this sort of the separation between the criminal proceedings that unfortunately couldn't continue and then the proceedings of the university, there are different levels of proof needed to be found. And we we know how complicated it can be when it comes to consent, unfortunately, in a criminal context. Whereas for a civil context, it may not be as difficult a thing to prove. That's right. And we've brought cases have we not against perpetrators who, for one reason or another, have not been prosecuted or have been prosecuted and for whatever reason found not guilty, but a civil claim in the High Court has been brought against them where the judge hears all the evidence. There's no jury. It's just just the judge. The judge hears all the evidence and makes a finding on the balance of probabilities, which is still you know, a tough hurdle as to whether or not the case has been made out. And we've had cases where the judge has been satisfied that the alleged sexual assault or assaults have occurred and made the finding accordingly. So I think that's an important message to get across to everybody, that just because for whatever reason a prosecution is not possible, it may not be the end of the road. In some cases it may be, but in other cases it may well not be. That's quite right. And sometimes actually having compensation through the civil route might mean more to someone actually than the criminal route it just it really does depend on the individual and what they see as justice i can remember having a a a case where the the victim had to give evidence in crown court twice her perpetrator was found guilty and sentenced to a very long term of imprisonment 
but that's not what she actually wanted. All she wanted was an acknowledgement that these things had happened to her when she was a child. And so that going down the civil route would have meant more to her than going down the criminal route. You know, that's, you know, others may feel up differently, of course, but that's how she felt. And sometimes I think we lose sight of the need, but there has to be a, a holistic approach to advising victims as to what their options are. And, you know, for some, it is all about going to Crown Court, having a trial in front of a jury and the jury, you know, finding guilt or not as the case may be. But for others, it, it can be very different. And And, and the civil context... You know, you can get apologies, as you said, or, you know, that acknowledgement that you desperately need and potentially money that will help you with any therapy that, you know, was caused because of unfortunately what happened. Whereas, obviously, it's good to have these individuals off the streets and, and involved in the criminal process. But sometimes that doesn't necessarily help the victim and help them improve and, and recover. Exactly. Well, on that note, thanks, Valina. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for tuning in, as always. And please do tune in next week to our next podcast. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.